1: Just visiting today or you, you've been away. Uh, I started a series last week on worship and I want to continue with that on, on the series and uh, I listened to this message once by Pastor David Platt this is a, of quite a few years back now and he talks about what it's like for a visitor from another country what are their perceptions of worship so if they go to a church service compared to if they go to a football game, where will they observe more worship taking place? And he goes something like this. He says, imagine you live in another country. You might have to close your eyes for this and just imagine. Imagine you live in another country, and you have opportunity to spend a season in Brisbane. Most slowly rise and head for a building they call a church. They groggily approach that building for some sort of ceremony. Clearly, whatever happens at that ceremony is not important, because most of the people don't come until after it started, not looking at anybody. That's why I said, close your eyes. (laughs) And they begin to file in and mouth the words to songs. Many of them are most expressionless, virtually emotionless, after which they sit down and passively listen to someone talk to them for a period of time. You see, most of them are fidgety, uneasy, as the time for the ceremony is almost over. Afterwards, you hear them talking about what happened the previous day. They laugh and they smile as they recount another ceremony that happened on another Saturday. And so your curiosity is piqued, and you eagerly anticipate the coming Saturday ceremony with them. They wake up and dress in special outfits for these types of days. Many of them drive out of the city, some an hour east, some an hour north, to what they call hallowed grounds. They come early for the ceremony, very early, way early, where they eat, drink, laugh, and play, not just with their family, but complete strangers. You've never seen community like this. And when the time comes, they all enter together, tens of thousands, into the shrine with a razor of voices with passion over some assembly of young athletes. And they chant, yell and sing until they're voiceless they don't seem to be aware of time in fact they get super excited when the ceremony goes into overtime something long like this is a sign of a really exciting game and there's even more in red bank plains as they watch the game on the large screen tvs designed to make it look like they're actually there and the party goes until late that night before everyone eventually goes to bed. Which would you identify as the worship most important to these people? Would you identify, which would you identify as the God they love the most? You can open your eyes now. It's a hard word. We get so excited at games And we come to church. I I tell you what, our church, there's a, uh, you can put your finger on the pulse. Something's happening in the life of this church. You are truly worshiping the Lord. I I know we're close to the breakthrough where you will see people getting healed in the services just through worship, where you're going to see people being delivered, where you're going to see people who are going to experience Jesus for the very first time. It will happen simply because you know how to worship God. I feel it. I can sense it even this morning. Jesus instructs us on the proper way to worship God. If you're taking notes, John 4, 24, just write it down. Jesus said, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit. That makes sense, right? And in truth, because he is spirit. You can't worship in flesh alone, because he's not flesh, he's spirit. But you have to worship him in truth Brother Lawrence, this uh, old monk back in the day, he he wrote a book called uh, Practicing the Presence of God, where he talks about prayer and worship as a daily existence, a daily thing you do. He says this, to worship God in truth is to recognize him for being who he is and to recognize ourselves for what we are. Last week, if you missed it, download the podcast. I talked about what it looks like in heaven in worship. It is simply mesmerizing and powerful. To worship Him in spirit is to worship Him with the very essence of our being. Our emotions, our intelligence, our consciousness is awakened and completely fixated on one thing. To elevate the name of God. To bring every thought, every word, every action under his lordship. If you're wondering what worship is, that's worship. That's the picture. It's recognizing he's so far beyond anything I could possibly imagine. See, some of you, you got used to your Jesus. You got used to your God and you put him in this box of I'm used to. But i got to tell you, God is so far outside that box that you've relegated Him to. He's outside of the box. His dreams for you alone are outside of the box. And yet we put Him in this box between the hours of 9.30 and 11 a.m. on a Sunday. That's not true worship. The Jewish people don't have a word for worship. I actually got that off Bruce. They have a word for praise, Hallel, that's what the word praise means. And when you say Hallelujah, you're actually adding the name of God, praise the Lord, from which we derive hallelujah. They believe that worship, remember, it's not in the vocabulary. Worship is finding God in the mundane. You worship God, in other words, in everything you do. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, that means everything. Everything you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Some of you hate your job. And I understand what that's like to work for a boss that absolutely does not appreciate you. I did that for a number of years. I remember back in the 90s, I worked with a counterpart. And uh, she was this good-looking blonde girl. She had all the favor in the office. I'm just me, you know. And she had this favor. She was a smoker. She was barely at her desk. I'm I'm the one doing all the work. But somehow, she got all the favor. And the boss used to give me heaps for that. And I remember, uh, you know, just coming to work was so painful. The thought of coming to work, I hated coming to work. But God never said I could leave. So I never looked anywhere else. I never applied for another job. God did not give me permission to leave that job. hope you treat your job as an assignment. Because there are times when God wants you, most of the times, God wants to work something in your life, through your life, through your job. You may hate your job. You may hate your boss. You may hate your client. But you need to understand God put you there. You're on assignment. In fact, you are the one bringing the presence of God into the place and not them. So some of you are waiting for them to bring church to you. You know, well, I'm not happy with this circumstance. They don't praise Jesus in this workplace. They keep swearing all the time. How am I supposed to enjoy the presence of God while they're swearing? That's because you're the church. You're the one bringing church to them. You're the one bringing the presence of God to them, but you're still waiting for the situation to be right till everything is going, until Giuseppe's in the background playing that beautiful piano. Then I can worship the Lord. You can't take Giuseppe with you. I'm sorry. We can't even have him every week. So what do we do? You bring the presence of God. You worship. The Bible says whatever you do, in other words, in everything that you do, it's an act of worship. I remember watching The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. And, you know, you can, you can get some spiritual things through movies. But I remember he said how he's observing as this westerner the life of the Japanese samurai. How the whole village, he says, everything they do, they do to an excellence, an Excellent degree in everything, no matter how minute, from the cooking of the food, the chopping up, to the way that they serve it on the plate, to the way that they're chopping wood. The most baseless, normal things are done with a high and pristine excellence. They just do it as a lifestyle. They don't understand this. The Jewish people do the same thing, but they understand it. It's a part of the lifestyle of bringing worship to God. The very act of breathing and living life is an act of worship to the Lord. See, we define worship as the slow music on a Sunday morning. See, if you you try and belittle worship to that tiny little category, you can only experience it for what we do, 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. That's it. That's all your worship, 40 minutes for an entire week. That's it. That's what we're trying to say. Look, you've got to get rid of this mentality, what you think worship is. That's not worship. Worship is finding God in the mundane, in the way that you speak to your kids, to us kids, the way that we speak to our parents, even though they don't deserve honor sometimes. But it's that act of worship where you humble yourself and God sees your heart where you're at they don't deserve it at all. But you tear yourself down to strips as you just answer them with such just gentleness and such generosity that they don't deserve. That's worship. When you don't feel like coming to church, when you feel like an absolute heathen, you know what you did that week. Some of you need to look at each other just sort of like, I think it's, God's got your number. I've got text messages on my phone with language I have not seen in, I don't know, years and years and years. But I, I, do, I take it in as a, an act of worship before God. That's my worship to humble myself, to not respond to things and the stimuli around me that would, could get me angry. It's not my flesh. I don't live. I died to my flesh years and years ago. I don't have a right to get angry. Dead people don't get angry. Dead people don't get offended. Dead people don't get envious. Dead people don't get prideful. So, what's your problem? Turn to the person next to you and say, So, why do you get so angry? Turn to the other person and say, Why are you so jealous? You're all laughing like, you know, so <laughs> oh, he's got my number. How did you find out about this? I'll go talk to the pastor after. I'll send an email to him. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just giving you the message. That's all. Every moment is a worship opportunity. You're in that workplace and all hell is breaking loose around you. And you're there just very gently doing your job. God, I do this for you. I'm so broken. I don't want to be here. But to honor you, I'm going to honor my boss. Do everything you have to do to honor your boss, to honor your workplace when they are dishonorable. Because you're the church. You're the only Jesus they know. Tell them you're a Christian. Now you can be held accountable. You know, I see these people, the ones that usually cut you off. They usually have the Jesus stickers on the back of them, you know. They're the ones that cut you off. You know, just sometimes you need to put that Jesus sticker on there so that when you look in your, your rearview mirror, you're reminded that my driving habits. You know that one, you know, how's my driving? Call 1-800, you know. <laughs> when you put your Jesus sticker on there, you're, you're putting Jesus on display. Look in the rearview mirror to see that little thing and be careful how you drive, that's an act of worship. When a person cuts you off and you're like, <sighs> that's worship before the Lord. Just counting to 10. God. Heaven will look at the other 24 hours in a seven day week. And measure your, your worship as your lifestyle. Not the moment of that 30 to 45 minutes when you're here singing those songs. And some of you have beautiful voices. Some of you know what to do and you raise your hand the highest. I love that. You so encourage us worship leaders. Hey, it's so good. But live it. Breathe it 24-7. Not as that moment on a Sunday when you worship God the other days of the week. I want to tell you, your corporate worship here becomes even more powerful because now it's real. When you hate and you had all hell was breaking loose, it was World War II, World War III in your home before you got here and you still pulled yourself here, that was worship before the Lord. Let me give you four don'ts. Don't do this when you come to worship him on a Sunday service. Don't get lost in the music. Don't be enamored by the talent. Of the band or the skill of the worship leader or the lights or the beautiful worship space of the church we don't have any of that by the way we just uh, actually we do have very talented music leaders but our building you know we put the curtains up just so you remember it's not a classroom it looks like church it's just a classroom (laughs) we know instead focus completely on him get lost in Him, in the worship. Sometimes the worship is so amazing, we focus on the song. You ever done that? That's why I played that clip last week, you know. I love this song. I forget the song. It was just awesome. How great is this song? Sing with you. Yeah. Thank you. Number two, don't switch off your mind during worship time. We worship Him in spirit, And in truth, you need your brain for the truth. It's like switching off in the middle of a conversation with someone. You'd never do that to other people. So why do you do that to God? Give Him your 100% attention. Stay focused on your admiration, your respect, your thanksgiving, and your love for how good He is to you. He loves you. You are not here by accident. You're not in this building listening to this message by accident. A whole series of events have happened in my life that have led me to this point that I would think to preach this message. A whole lot of things have happened in your life that brought you to this place. You were positioned by the Holy Spirit, by God himself, to be here at this specific moment to hear this message. Number three, don't quench another person's desire to worship because they suck at singing. Can a pastor say that? Don't quench another person's desire or your desire to to worship him because you can't sing. I say sing even louder so that the person next to you has to sing even louder to overcome your lousy voice. But heaven is like applauding you. You know, in all that awful voice, you're like, I don't care. I just came to praise the Lord. You know that song? I don't know what you can do, but I can praise the Lord. I don't know. The old worship pastor coming out. My sister and I, we grew up in Medan, in Indonesia. We grew up, when we weren't in boarding school, living in a parsonage, that was built so it's a, it's a double-story building, it's, a, it's quite a large church, and we lived in the rooms right next door, and so our living room, which was also uh, slash dad's office, was actually the church office, and if you open up the curtains, there's the church, if you reach in, you're in church, put your hand back, you're out of church, in church, out of church. At 4.30 in the morning, there'd be prayer going on before the mosque begins to sing their song. Christian worship and prayer belting out. The last thing after they're done, we're still praying, worshiping God. And then around, I think it was like 7 in the morning, the band is up there to try and play. But I don't know, they just didn't know how to play the songs. <laughs> they like, had electric guitar and bass guitar, no drums, and they had no music. And they just start playing away. It was the most horrible sound as a kid growing up. You know, I love contemporary music. I love to sing it. And this is like completely not that. Let alone the fact that I can't even understand what they're saying. And every morning would be woken up with this thing. It was just horrible. And when it came to praise and worship before you praise and worship leaders, there was no set song list. There was no projector. The worship the pastor usually was the worship leader would just get up and just sing a song. And it took about a few seconds, they got, they got pretty good at it. The musicians had to find the key that the worship leader was singing in, and then they start to play. It was just horrible horrible as far as comparing what we enjoy here compared to that. But I learned over the years, God dealt with my heart, the arrogance of my heart to think that I deserve, if if they don't play according to my standard, I refuse to worship. (laughs) Prima Donna. It's not about me. It was always about him. And I've learned over the years, we have been in places, it could be drug rehab centers, these guys can't sing Worth peanuts, instruments are not out of tune, they're missing strings. And I will worship the Lord with all my soul, all my being in spirit and in truth, and the presence of God descends. Number four, don't get in the habit of only worshiping when you feel like it. The greatest acts of worship come from hardship, from sacrifice. The Bible tells us of a story of a woman with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. The the, the reason they said alabaster, they wanted to describe it. They're saying it wasn't a piece of cloth. We can pop the top, pour it out a little bit, close the top. This is the kind of thing, once you smash it, it's done. You can't put it back in. She wasted a year's worth of salary to pour it on the feet of Jesus. Another, tra- another version says pour it on his head. doesn't matter. The fact is this woman used up a year's worth of salary on Jesus, and the disciples next to him were aghast uh, at this. Actually, the story goes when you compare the Gospels. Judas is the one that made the fuss. Huh, that woman could have sold that perfume and given the money to the poor. Well, we find out later that he was actually stealing money from the treasury he was a treasurer. And the other disciples, they didn't know that. They were like, oh, yeah, 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 that money should have been sold and given to the poor. Yeah, we should do that. In fact, the guy that owned the house, he's saying he was Simon, his name was Simon the leper. He was a Pharisee, obviously a Pharisee who had leprosy whom Jesus healed, and that's why Jesus was in the house. And he's thinking to himself, if this man were really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman was pouring this perfume at his feet, and he would say, no, get away from me, sinner. Jesus told him in Parditi's way, I'm just going to rephrase, You totally missed the point. This woman took everything she had to worship. And none of you picked up on that, that this is worship. It wasn't the song. It wasn't the instruments. It wasn't the beautiful voices. It was that one moment where she absolutely broke herself with nothing held back. It becomes a sacrifice See, sacrifice, by its own term, by its own meaning, means when it really costs you something. See, a lot of you give offerings of praise in worship. I'll just sing the song because it's okay. I'll, I'll sing it a little bit. I'll just make the worship leader happy. I'll sing a little bit here. I'll make God happy. I don't really feel like it, but, you know, I'll do it. But sacrifice. It was when hell wars against you and you just don't want to do it. But you're like, I will worship my God while I still have breath left in this body. I will worship him. I don't care about the circumstance. I don't care about the giants in my life. I don't care about the fact that I don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. I will worship my God. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, not the song. It's when you offer your bodies as living sacrifices. When you want to do something that your flesh desires, but you say, no, I will not do that. I will worship him. That is an act of worship before God. When you deny yourself the things you most love because you know it honors him, that is an act of worship before God. Music is one of the primary methods. That's why we use it, ordained to worship God. Psalm 92 verse 1 to 3 says, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning, your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. Psalm 98 verse 4 to 6 shout for joy to the lord all the earth burst into jubilant song with music I, I know if my my uh, girl was here she's uh, uh, Italia she's like she likes to have her own background music everywhere she goes you know every day is a musical <laughs> you know every day is like that burst into jubilant song with music make music to the lord with the harp think guitar uh, sorry piano and and to the sound of singing with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn shout for joy before the lord you notice it's not quiet none of those instruments are quiet that's the old testament new testament colossians 3:16 let the word of christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Ephesians 5.19, singing psalms and uh, hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. 1 Corinthians 14.26, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. You're supposed to bring a song to the Lord. You're supposed to bring something when you come to church. This isn't about taking. It was always about giving. That's worship. Worship isn't taking. Ephesians 5, 19 to 20, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why worship is important. I'll do this, and we're going to finish with this, if you're taking notes. Number one, worship shifts atmospheres did you know that that's why I I, you know I I wish in some ways that this was the first thing I ever preached in my previous church first series of sermons was worship I wanted to set the stage for the values of the church worship is everything because it shifts the atmosphere of earth until it resembles heaven where do I get that from The Bible says in Psalm 22, verse 3, I'm going to use the amplified version. But you are holy, O you who dwell in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. Israel was God's people. In other words, God, this is King James Version, abides or lives in the praises of his people. Whenever you begin to praise him, his presence actually comes down. 2 Chronicles 5, 13-14, the trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and other instruments. The singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. I want to be in a church where the praise goes crazy. The presence of God comes down, and I can't preach. I dare you to do that. Do it to that point where the presence is so heavy in this place, I cannot preach. I tell you, I have no problem allowing the, the worship to go on. I would rather we worship and his presence comes than me tell you about him. God is more happier when his kids are saying, Daddy, I love you, than for the older brother to say, Hey, Dad's good. He'd rather hear you say that. 2 Kings 3.15, the Bible says, Now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. He begins to prophesy because worship is being being played. There's something about the music that God finds important. That We're told in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we need music to create an atmosphere that resembles heaven. That's why we do the music. That's why it's so important. But if we forget and get so caught up in the music that we forgot it was about worship, we've lost the very essence and the being for why worship is there. I gave last week a picture of what heaven looked like with our angels singing around the clock 24-7. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. All of heaven is worshiping. That is the atmosphere of heaven. On earth as in heaven. That's why we worship him. Number two, worship is important to God. The Bible says even God sings. Zephaniah three seventeen, Old Testament. The Lord your God is with you. He will rejoice over you with singing. Did you know that? God sings about you. Oh, I love my jade. She's so beautiful. I love my jade. God sings about you. He's that, trying to show off to all the people, oh, I love my Gus. Gus is so awesome. Gus is such a talented person. I made him. He's so great. The Bible says Jesus sings, Matthew 26, 30. When they, Jesus and his disciples, had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. Even Jesus sang. Singing is a vehicle used to show love. That's why you love the pop songs, all the young ones. I did too. It shows affection, joy, sorrow, gladness. Singing and worship puts God at the center of attention. Number three, and this is the last one I'll invite Giuseppe to come up. Worship opens portals of heaven. In Acts chapter 2, verse 30 to 36, while Peter is preaching, he said this about King David. He was a prophet. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. In other words, David, in the Old Testament, think about an AM radio. You guys know the difference between AM and FM radio, right? Can you play AM radio on an FM tuner? No. Can you play FM radio on an AM tuner? No. No. Can you play standard analog signal on a digital TV? No. Can you play a digital signal on an analog TV? No. But David did. David was like the analog TV in the Old Testament. Before Jesus had died for his sins, he was still a sinner, a terrible sinner, because Jesus hadn't died for him yet. And yet, when he was worshiping the Lord, something happened. The atmosphere shifted, and he's overhearing voices, a conversation in heaven. He's seeing these things. He writes that the hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. How did he he write that? I believe he's seeing these things. He's writing them down. He's overwhelmed because he's broken the earth atmosphere, and he's listening to conversations in heaven. What if we were to do the same under this new covenant where Jesus died for you and you are holy and righteous in his sight? When you sing, the Holy Spirit inside of you sings and the presence of God comes down. There's a story that Matt Redmond tells of the song he wrote, Heart of Worship. He said that the song was born through a period of apathy in his home church. The people didn't care anymore. They were just singing the songs. They were going through the motions. And the pastor, Mike Pilavachi, he he leads one of the greatest youth movements in the UK. Thousands upon thousands of kids giving their lives to Jesus in what's called a godless country. Thousands coming to Jesus. He He headed that up. But in his church, worship was just dying. And this is what he did. He ends up firing the musicians and the singers. They all lost their job. He said, I don't want you to sing. He said, church, the Bible says, you should be bringing something to church. You've lost your heart. You've forgotten what worship is all about. It isn't about the music, so let's just get rid of the music so that you don't get confused by it. And he goes on to tell the story that it was awkward the next week because everyone's used to the music. Like, how do you do church without the music, right? Because you do the upbeat songs, do some announcements, do the slow songs, then the preaching. But now there's no music. What do we do? That's what happened. Someone came just so moved. They brought a psalm that that touched them that week. And they read it out with all their heart and all their soul, all their being, and spirit and truth. Just reading this thing out. And people are crying as a psalm. Just reading of a psalm. People are crying. Someone shares a story. And then someone began to sing a song spontaneously. One of the spontaneous songs that erupted out of this period of time was this song, Heart of Worship. Can you put the words up there for a moment? Can you close your eyes just for one more time, just for one more minute? So he pens these words based on the condition of the heart of the people. And it became this spontaneous song that the whole church began to sing. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Cause it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you. Jesus, all about you, 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 all about you. Sarah, can you sing it for us? Come and bring him something this morning, church. Come and bring him something. It might be a new song to the Lord. It might be for the first time raising your hands high say, I give everything to you. I give you lordship above everything else. For others right now, you're feeling the presence of God, and you want to offer your life to Him. You tell Him right now, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours. Just in this moment right now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord this morning. For some of you, you have never made a decision for Jesus before, but today you're singing you're, you're singing songs and you're saying things now that you've never said before and you want to come to Him. The Bible says that our job is to reconcile you with the Father. You're actually coming back to Him. If that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity in a moment to raise your hands to say, yeah, that's me, you, you, that's me, I, I, that's me, that's my heart. For some of you, you have drifted away from the Lord over the years and your heart has been so hard that you can't even conceive what it was like to worship until today. You're reminded again how much you appreciate Him, how much you love Him. I want to give you a chance to respond as well. For others this morning, you are lost in worship and you cheapened it to nothing. And today you're saying, God, I'm so sorry. You are the most important thing in my life. If that's you right now, we're going to do a simple prayer. And I want the whole church to repeat this prayer with me, if you will, please. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I want you and nothing else. I choose you and I choose your ways above my ways. Come and give me your spirit and change my life.
0: Amen. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Life City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the Giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.